0: Hey everyone, welcome to The Influencer Economy. This is Ryan Williams. Thank you so much for downloading or streaming our first episode. Very happy and proud to have Bernie Burns as our first guest. Uh, The Influencer Economy is a podcast where we will speak with builders, makers, and creators who have launched businesses online in revolutionary ways. Our first guest we are proud and thrilled to say is Bernie Burns, who is an idol to many in the YouTube and online video space. He's the founder of Rooster Teeth a company in Austin, Texas, that's an online video juggernaut. They have over 3 billion video views served on YouTube and over 10 million subscribers, so they're kind of a big deal. And I was excited to speak with him at the YouTube space in L.A. a few months back uh, about his seminal creative show called Red vs. Blue, which is one of the original most successful Machinima series ever and is now in its 11th season. It's really one of the biggest fan fiction films of all time, if not the biggest. Um, And he goes into talking about Machinima, which is – digital puppeteering, as he calls it. So there's a lot of great stuff in here. He's an inspiring figure, as I mentioned, to many people. Overall, we had a great time with Bernie, and without further ado, Bernie Burns. Here we are uh, at the YouTube Space LA. Welcome to the podcast, Bernie Burns. How's it going? Thank you, hello, good to be here. Uh, we are excited to have him here. There's a YouTube event going on, and Bernie's in town from Austin, so welcome to LA. Yeah, we're doing the uh, Tubathon event.
1: Uh, so we're recording this in mid-December. Where we're, we're trying to raise money for homeless kids in L.A. In L.A., nice. yes. Yeah. And how is it being away from Austin? I'm I'm used to the trip from L.A. and Austin, yeah. So it's a two-and-a-half-hour flight, uh, and I make it probably about once every two weeks, if not once a week. You oh, know, really? Sometimes. Yeah, I'm out here a lot. You have oh, cool. to be. It wasn't always that way. I've been doing this for about 11 years. But in the last two or three years, I mean, we're standing in a studio that was built by YouTube. Right. I mean, this thing didn't exist a year and a half ago, so... There's a lot going on right now, and, you know, I wish it wasn't centered in L.A. and New York and London and Tokyo, just like, you know, every other major form
0: of production, but, you know, people go where they can get talent, so. Right. So, what do you think now when you come to YouTube and there's Toby Turner and Freddie Wong and there are now personalities when I think you it's guys great. We're building all that out on your own, not really knowing what the end game was?
1: I think it's great. I especially admire Freddie uh, because, you know, Freddie makes some of the, you know, highest production value... Narrative content that's out there. And a uh, really big admirer of his. Um, you know, a lot of YouTube is um, it's changing a little bit, but a lot of it's been based in personality-driven content, right. which is not necessarily my thing. Probably based on the fact that when I started doing this stuff, I was 28, uh, you know? And so after doing 11 years, I'm at 40 and, uh, you know, that's personality-driven stuff. It usually tends to be a lot younger. Right. Um,
0: I lean more towards the narrative style content. What is your personality? What's that? What is your personality then? Oh, are you, are, you, are you yourself? <laughs> yes. a, t- a tired version of yourself? Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, for a long time, I guess my personality at was the boss. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and just, like, having a fun culture of, like, you know, threatening to fire people, that kind of stuff. You know? I mean, it's, it, that's the stuff that faces outward. You know, the right. personality of the company, which is something that we put out there a lot. You know, we have podcasts. Um, we have a lot of Let's Play videos that are really
0: popular. Yeah, can you explain your network to people that maybe have seen it, but they don't grasp the full concept of what you all do?
1: Sure. So, uh, Red vs. Blue uh, was the first big hit that we had. It was like the whole company was basically one show when we started, um, which I think is pretty typical, you know? Yeah. Um, and so we started April 1st of 2003, and Red vs. Blue is a show that is machinima with a little m. It's the style of filmmaking called machinima. Uh, a lot of people might know the big brand name Machinima that has kind of taken over the whole yes. genre. Uh, but Red vs. Blue is the first uh, and biggest example of the Machinima art form, which was to take video games and use them to make narrative content. It's essentially like digital puppeteering where we would have lines and we would use the characters in Halo's, Halo to act out those lines. Put up the first video, got about 3,000 views. Uh, put up the next video after the first one had been linked a couple different places. We got 250,000 views. We got 500,000 the next week and we were at a million a, a week by the end of the month. Crazy. It was, All on your was own website. Super fast. Yeah. yeah. On, on redversusblue.com at the oh, time. Wow. Rooster Teeth didn't even really exist then. And uh, then started Rooster Teeth. And uh, we did a lot of things back in those days because I thought, this is not going to last. You know, I mean, people will get tired of the show in four or five months. If we're lucky, we'll get four or five months. Uh, so we built Rooster Teeth as a site. Uh, built a social community site uh, as well because Facebook really wasn't huge back then, but MySpace was around. And um, that was all in an effort to try to keep people in place. Because so I thought, once people get tired of this, we're going to need some time to develop something new and have something to hold people in place while we work on this new thing and then be able to introduce it to them.
0: And hopefully just not lose these people to the ether of the internet. Um, and so you want to keep them on your site, get them to log in, mm-hmm. communicate. Because you built community really around the content. Yes. So now like, I think you're, one of your biggest strengths is that you have community built in to your shows. So you know right away if they're going to like it or not. But I feel like you guys have set yourself up to have a subscriber. I think you've one and a half million visitors on your website. Yeah, we register. have
1: 1.6 million registered members on our site. You know, and just YouTube is, as YouTube has grown and become a cultural phenomenon. I mean, we have over 10 million subscribers on our different channels on YouTube. Um, and about, th- we're hitting,
0: getting close to 3 billion views total, aggregate views on YouTube. So it's, cra- it's, it's crazy. And how, how, do, how does it affect the content you make based on your community that already is rabidly in love with you? Well,
1: you know what's weird is that uh, we treat YouTube like syndication. Most people don't do that. We run things first on our website. We let them run there for a few weeks. Uh, In the case of Red vs. Blue, it runs a year, uh, a window, before it goes to YouTube. When you start producing it? No, we we, we run it for, like, say, if Season 8 runs in the summer of 2011, it doesn't appear until 2012 on YouTube. Oh, right. You can't see it until... Until that, we go through home video, we go through like Amazon, iTunes, all that, and then we go to YouTube. Oh, really? The last step, like windows of
0: distribution. Mm Hmm.
1: And it's different for different shows. Uh, So over time, we've grown from Red versus Blue. Uh, We were initially did a lot of machinima content, uh, where we did a lot of different shows and a lot of different video games. We used the Sims, Um, a shooter called Fear was one of our popular series. Um, We did a lot of television commercials uh, for video games. Right.
0: Um, I saw the one that was from EA Sports with the guy from the Colts. Oh gosh, yeah. He's he's every player. Yeah. And he thought it was too egomaniac.
1: Well, that's because uh, there was a a commercial that we did for the Madden game of that year. The big feature was gang tackling where two players could tackle one player. Yes. And uh, (laughs) you know, it's one of those things you don't think about it when you're doing this, but everybody on the field in Madden is a parallel with a real person out there. Right. I mean, And so the guy that gets tackled in this commercial, he's a real dude. And he made a press conference saying, I didn't give permission for these guys to make me look basically right. like a bitch. You know? <laughs> and so, he, so in order to kind of make it up to this poor guy, because we didn't select him either. But it was then. like,
0: so and sos passing it. To the, he's the receiver. Yeah. He's the defender. He's the kicker. And he was the whole game.
1: So then we made that video to like, Apologize made him look really good in this other oh, video okay. where he's like awesome. And he's like every position what on the What was the, the field? other video? The like, other video was showing him get gang tackled. And that was the actual one that <laughs> uh-huh. was on TV. Oh, really? And okay. then at a press conference, somebody asked him, hey, what was? how do you feel about being tackled in the latest Madden oh. commercial? He goes, Yeah. I, my mother called me and said, "I thought you died." <laughs> <laughs> like you like a scrum pile on. Yeah,
0: yeah. and so. Uh, so you then leveraged you. So, I think for people to understand that Halo is the game you use for Red versus Blue. That's correct. And Bungie was, from what I understand, okay with you guys creating the content. Which well,
1: was- we had this brilliant idea initially that we would fly under the radar, like because we knew it was kind of a weird, you know, people who, copyrights are a weird thing. A lot of people who. Uh, do stuff that's kind of uh, outside the rules of copyright, they use the word gray area a lot. It's just that's, you know, people know it's like they're using something that they're gonna need permission to do it, and they're not getting it, they know if they're doing that. Right. We knew we were in that space, but we didn't know how to do it. Yeah. So they'll, maybe we can fly under the radar and maybe this thing will get popular enough. Well, that lasted about a week and a half. And uh, and you know, it's one of those things, uh, honestly, if you look back at it those days, uh, we went in to talk to them and said, you know, here's what we wanna do. Uh, more importantly, here's what we don't wanna do. Right. And you know, we got really lucky, really fortunate in that Microsoft, they, they looked at it. Um, this, you remember this was before YouTube, there wasn't a lot of video online. They looked at it and they said, you know, okay, this is something that's different. We don't really get it, but we do know that people seem to really, really like this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are a company that values innovation. So let's put our money where our mouth is and let's say
0: this is an innovative thing and we're gonna try to support it. So in some ways, like, for lack of a better word, you're pirating content. In a way that made it, I, and I don't say that negatively because I think a lot of companies in video, you take other content and it's part of the story, but then you turn that into like an advertisement f- for they could then hire you for. It. I think it's,
1: I, I think it's genius. I associate piracy with somebody like literally taking somebody else's work and just like reposting it. Like we weren't taking, uh, we weren't making Halo available available to people. In it. lieu of Halo, right. you know what I mean? Right. This was like something we were doing. As kind of It was a fan film yeah, is what it was. Yeah, That's like what fan, we f- fan fiction. Yeah, we fell more under a fan film. Right. Was probably Red vs. Blue, honestly, if you look at it, is probably the most successful fan film of all
0: time. Right. And, uh, yeah, but I, I look at piracy more so as... Maybe piracy is not the right word, but yeah. there was something about it that was genius. Where you're like, we're taking other people's game engine, you're telling a funny story within it, and then you're getting hired by that industry to, yeah, become an advertising partner.
1: Here's the way that here's the way that uh, I tried to pitch it on like a high level philosophical level was that, you know, the the a video game is essentially a really advanced tool for doing real time rendering, and then the game is the layer they put on top of it, and that game is here's the rules of how you're gonna interact oh, right. with this world, and so we just didn't play that game we made up a different game. So we're still playing with Halo. We're still playing with this world. We're just playing with it in the way that we wanted to, which we're filmmakers. We wanted to play with it by telling Absolutely. stories and doing fun stuff. And they, people seem to get that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, people seem to get that. That's cool. And how do you feel now when you look at gameplay like from Call of Duty and Minecraft, where just you know, Justin TV became Twitch TV? Yeah. Like, it's an industry. Like, what propelled you to put Halo Machinima online? Well,
1: I think that's what Machinima has become is Machinima has now... Taking a video game and using it to tell stories—that was. People thought this was revolutionary. We got written up in, like, very. We got to play at the Lincoln Center. You know, I mean, it was it, when we first started you do doing film it. Film festivals. And- yeah, Sundance. Like, as an independent filmmaker, I'd been turned down to go to Sundance like right. four times. Then all of a sudden, I'd get invited to come. Yeah. Um, I you're didn't. A even, guest yeah, I didn't. <laughs> well, it was a weird experience. Through the internet. But unfortunately, I think um, I should say unfortunately because everyone values different things. But I think that machinima as an art form has. Evolved to be people using the game to play the game uh, and then have commentary over the top of it. So it's less become about narrative content, which I really like, and it's more so become about like personality driven content, right. which our company does do a lot of, you know. But myself personally, I still tend to focus on, on the narrative. I always want to tell stories, I always want to build characters. That's really important to me, um, you know, and so it's, uh, I, I think that. You know, there's still some room in the machinima genre for people to do some really cool stuff. Like Source Filmmaker is a great tool for Valve. Um, You know, a lot of video game companies are embracing, you know, the ability to make movies in the game. Like Halo added a theater mode. You know, there's uh, DVRs now in practically all the consoles. So,
0: yeah. And you can capture footage from there. Yeah, it's natively built in. How did you... And so you were doing it a lot more, like, yourself. And now it's it's available. The accessibility for these tools is everyone can create their own content and put it on YouTube. What did you think when something like Minecraft came from the internet, and it's, if you search Google, YouTube for Minecraft videos, they tower over the amount of Call of Duty videos. Which it's insane. I, what did you think about watching that happen and erupt from the video world, as someone who's been a pioneer in, in the Yeah, game?
1: so uh, the story of Minecraft to me that's amazing is not only how big it is, but how long it's lasted. Because usually things that burn that bright burn pretty fast, um, especially with you know, a younger demographic. Yeah, so actually, I executive produced a uh, documentary about Mojang, the story of Mojang, uh, and that's when Minecraft was like in beta on a PC because I was playing it all the time with my kid and I loved it. That thing uh, completed and came out, and I had kind of moved on myself in Minecraft before it came out on Xbox, and then it was a whole another phenomenon of that. It's like that seems like it was three or four years ago. It, it is the. the it, it, it's a culture, Minecraft is a culture I, it just, it's, it's got hold of people Right. I'll tell you a funny story, I, yeah. I knew a guy who uh, and uh, anecdotally he told me the story of there was a, a group that was working on a Lego MMO, which it was called Lego Universe and it did come out, but there were people who they saw, they were working on the team, they saw Minecraft, and they were showing around the office, like look at this Minecraft thing at, at the, the Lego developer, there were people that quit he said. Making the games Like, literally, they, they said, oh, it. they looked at this at Minecraft, and they just quit and left. <laughs> you know, and that, that was the drive. Like, it took the wind out of their sails, that development team.
0: Was the Kickstarter project the story of Mojang? Is that what you... Yeah, think yeah, I the two-player
1: productions, yeah. That's great. Yeah. It's really well told. Yeah, those guys are really good. They did the first season of the uh, Penny Arcade reality
0: series, too. How'd you get involved with that project? I did through Kickstarter. Yeah. 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 And so, as far as getting games online now, like, where do you see the industry going, or... As far as communications with the storytelling around games that you all are doing, and then you do live action content as well, like where do you see Rooster Teeth in a few years in this world? It's hard to say. The biggest, uh,
1: if there's any secret to the success of Rooster Teeth, has been the fact that we've had to stay adaptive. Uh, Like when we first looked at YouTube, we were like, no, you know, this is before they were bought by Google. We're like, nobody's gonna, who's gonna do this? Who's gonna come in here and watch this stuff? Um, We were helping a a guy, um, a, a guy at the time. We were producing a cartoon with him. Um, and he was making the Ask a Ninja series and he was exploding in the early days of YouTube like before the before the partner program and all that I still think they, still think they owe those guys a huge check uh, <laughs> but uh, they uh, yeah they showed he showed me YouTube Kent Nichols uh, he works at uh, then he went on to work on content partnerships at Blip and now is at Maker with the acquisition by Blip of Ma- by Maker um, yeah he showed me YouTube I remember he showed it to me and he was always a guy who was always on the cutting edge always looking at the next thing but you know youtube i looked at along with things that now don't exist like rever yep. and other video platforms right. it, to, to me just yeah. looked like anything else and Bio. i thought yeah it's like why why put our content on somebody else's network that's what i thought at the time uh, but then with as everything exploded and youtube got to the point where it reached that brand status that so few things reach where it has become a verb. It has come to mean video online. That's what people say. I'm going to YouTube this, right? Or yeah. a YouTuber.
0: Yeah. It's like it's it's beyond you know just a platform. So, so then you guys are just going to keep doing what you do, which is stay true to yourself. Like you make content that you guys like. That you would you would essentially pass to Gus, and he would crack off that. That's exactly right. Is that one no, really the criteria that you have? That's it.
1: Was we tell people when they come to work for us, like say just. Make content that you would want to watch, and you'd want your friends to watch. Right. And then we have enough faith that there's enough people out there like
0: us that will always have an audience to show this. That to. Have your similar sensibilities. Yeah. And one thing we t- we talked about on the phone previously was how you you've hired a lot of people that are part of your community. Yeah. That are fans or created content. It's or, the number one place we look whenever we're going to hire somebody new. Yeah. And so, is there an application process, or do you sort of people find a role and it comes up? I'd like to say yes, but
1: more so, it's like if you're talking about. Um, for like an IT position, yes. Uh, for an on-camera talent position, not really. It's more so we try to go out there and identify people. Uh, Gavin is a great example of that. He's the guy who runs Slow Mo Guys Right. And works for us in he's our... here today, right? Yeah, he's here today. He's works in our enormously popular uh, Achievement Hunter series. And uh, Gavin is a guy that I've known since he was 15 years old, living in the UK. Right. He just was making funny content for the website, making funny Photoshop images. And we just kept talking to him, and then he got involved with high-speed photography on an apprenticeship level in the UK. That career exploded and we just that's always... amazing. Yeah, always kept in contact. That's so cool.
0: With and then RTX is your community event.
1: Yeah, so that's the community event that we hold every year in Austin. Uh, and uh, we just held the second one and it was... Uh, uh, Twenty five thousand people came over the course That's so of cool. three days. Yeah. That's amazing. So it was pretty nuts.
0: And it's all about your guys' community coming to meet you and interact and do panels.
1: We are trying to get it beyond that, and we thought this year was going to be the year that we got beyond that because you know once you have that many people, you think, well, they're here for something besides just us. But even this year was pretty solid. Of you know, you know, we were trying to turn it turn it into something more than what appears to be like a big fan meetup. It's not that we want it to be. Yeah, that
0: it structure. Yeah. And,
1: we want it to be a big event in Texas where people can come and see new games and, and yes, talk com- the culture. The next one is coming up in July. Yeah, we haven't set the date yet, but we're 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 looking at you know July is kind
0: of tough in Texas, uh, so we're looking at different um, possibilities. Cool. Yeah. All right. And then uh, one final question I have is two part: is who are some of the favorite people on YouTube? You mentioned Freddie before that you that you yeah. respect. And secondly, is what would you say to someone aspiring like the the 20-year-old you, or when you were in film school, or you actually were in tech IT school?
1: I was a uh, computer science computer at science, University of Texas. So maybe
0: not you, but someone yeah. who's an aspiring filmmaker or a, this has a YouTube channel that has no subscribers.
1: Well, first of all, my favorite uh, and most influential artist online is actually not a YouTuber. Uh, it's the uh, brothers uh, Chap. Mike oh, yeah? and Matt Chapman, they made Homestar Runner. Oh, yeah. Homestar Runner to me just was... Trippy website. It's just fantastic. <laughs> great, yeah. like, uh, fun. Like, to me, it's like... Looney Tunes style, designed for kids but so appealing to adults—that's right. such a hard thing to hit, uh, and they did such a great job with it. With such like identifiable, cute characters, and I uh, was anyway, a big fan. And uh, and unfortunately, that site hasn't updated in a few years, but hold out hope that maybe they'll get back to it. But online, you know, Freddie Wong, Meyer him. Uh, Grace Helbig, just really funny. Hannah Hart. Um, big fan of Live Proof Girls. I watch probably. We make a lot of content. Part of the job. Yeah, it is. It really is, and I like this stuff. I
0: really. It drives I really my wife crazy because I would come home from work and show her <laughs> a dumb video of a goat sounding like a human. Yeah. And I was like, no, it's part- I watched that it's this like, morning. It's like part of my job. Yeah. I need to know this for work.
1: Yeah. And I uh, nominated for Video of the Year, <laughs> a goat singing with Taylor Swift. Yeah, is what exactly. I, yeah, it was that one. So like that, and as far as advice goes. Um, I will be perfectly honest. It's a little tough because the environment that exists today uh, did not exist when I started in 2003. But that's for better and for worse. Um, you know, there's a, you can have the ad truck show up at your door now when you get a big, you know, video uh, or video with a ton of views. You know, if you get a 10 million view video, which is really so hard, it's, it's close to impossible. Yeah. But if you were to do that. Uh, then you would have people contacting you, figuring out a way to to make that work for you, right? Whether it's an MCN or a talent agency or just you know YouTube Partner Program. Uh, so I can't really I can't really give advice for how we started, but the the advice that always stands the test of time is uh, don't wait. That's the main thing I would say. Is just don't wait, even if you're a young person. Uh, and a lot of young people are interested in making content for YouTube, is that um, it can be hard to find people to work with, but no matter what you're doing, if you're working on something, even if you don't put it out, you're honing your craft, and that is time well spent. And if you're even, let's say, 14 years old, and you spend three years making stuff that nobody sees, you're still three years ahead of everybody right, else. Right, totally. Know? So just start immediately. Just start. And just don't just be start. afraid if it's not perfect. And Robert Rodriguez had a great, great quote. Uh, he said, You have about 40 bad movies in you, and the sooner you get them out, the better
0: it'll be for everybody. Yeah, Yeah. get them out of the way before you're famous. Yeah, exactly right. Okay, cool. Well, thank you for chatting with us on the podcast. My pleasure. You're one of the premier early guests, and we will be publishing this probably in January. Okay. And uh, what's your favorite barbecue place in Austin?
1: Uh, It's actually just outside of Austin in Lockhart. It's uh, Kreutz's Market. Kreutz's Market? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, spelled K-R-E-U-Z. It's a German name. It looks like Cruises, but it's Cruises. Yeah.
0: Better than Salt Lake and Ruby's. Salt Lake, last time I was there,
1: was good, but Salt Lake's where a lot of people come from out of town. It's kind of it's a touristy trap, and yeah. it's also the airport. Listen to me, I'm talking like a local now. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. No, 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 yeah. No. no, but hey, listen, if you go to Austin, there's a chain that gets
0: underrated in Austin. It's called Rudy's. It's yeah. always no, good. No, it's phan- phenomenal. It's always good. Big, big glass cups? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Big cups are big huge cups. in Texas. Yeah. yeah, big everything. 40 ounce everything. Yeah, big, big belt buckles, big sticks the, All right. the state you. of the oil drum you so, you're so great Thanks. appreciate your time alright hey everyone thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for listening to the podcast so excited to get this first one in the can can't believe it's finally done I want to thank Bernie Burns and Rooster Teeth for giving an awesome first interview. He's a phenomenal guy. Very generous with his time. Uh, check him out at roosterteeth.com. want to thank some personal people, first of all, for some accolades that I need to give out. So we got this first one out the door with many more on the way. Couldn't have been done without Miss Rachel Romero, Matthew Perez. Mario Herrera, who did the logo, which is awesome, uh, on the website, and DJ Flula, who was generous enough to give us the beats, which I think are awesome as well. I want to thank Aaron Dode and Neil Ketkar, Julia Williams, Catherine Williams, uh, were super helpful in getting this done, giving great feedback, and also What's Trending, Sheila Lazar, uh, YouTube LA, all the people that helped us at Tubathon. if you hashtag Tubathon, they will donate a dollar, uh, from the... For Fiesta to LA homeless shelters. So it's a great cause. Thank you to them for giving us the space. And finally, just want to say thank you to the listeners and anyone who tuned in, download this, shared it on Facebook. Please hit me up at Ryan J. Well on Twitter. influencereconomy.com is our website. All of the above places, please find me. And we would love to hear what you think. So thank you so much from all the gang at Geno's. Have a great night.